True Crime 49 is an Alaskan true crime podcast, the original Gothic Veritas. Season 3, Women Hunted, traces the progression of Robert Hansen, an Alaskan serial killer known as the Butcher Baker. Listener discretion is advised. The sunlight breaks upon the skyline of glass and steel illuminated in the warm peach light. It is blazing flat across the blue-black, its arms back and belly out flying with its eyes closed. Passing just over the tip of her arm it is stretched all the way up here a colossal copper chalky woman, three hundred and some feet tall. And in her other arm down there, she's cradling a massive tabula and sata. From under her robes a chain part shattered off is seen slipping from her ankle. Welcome to True Crime 49. Awaking into the world, eyes already open. One arm stretched up over half her face, the other eye staring a hole through the world. The dark wood finishes and elegant stainless steel surfaces, the whole apartment is slatted in straight battens of glowing peach light. Life's first expression for the day, she breathes out a huff of air, resigning her head rolling to the side, sounding off of frustration and annoyance. Her one eye looking out over the rippled sheet now, casually across the room and there he is. A mature German Shepherd, his eyes locked on her, he seemed to appear as the room behind him warmed in the light, but he'd been there the whole time. They look at each other, her expression seemed to change as if they were talking, but it was her own coming to terms. The certainty of the situation, she's realizing again that she's already made all the conclusions. And she'd been a pretender for almost a half of a week, walking through her routine, seeing if it would ever call out to her. Would it cry out that it wants to live? The feather in her mind is still in her eye now. The dog never changed expression. He gets up and his silhouette ink slips to the left. And leaning against the door behind him was her backpack. She had dared it there last night. Never having to make the shift nurse again, her name was on the schedule for later today. Now they will be puzzled with the clipboard later as they making the big question face of frowning rumples of skin. What did you say happened to Joanna? Like a cloud's deep brilliant shade, patina and watermark mask over their arms and their faces. Puzzled as they become the still frame. All of that weighing like a million pounds of gravel and doubt. All she has to do is just get up. Coming in from a slow spinning horizon are the mountains. It's for the snow up there and the barren stone the wind whistles. And sloping trees coming massive down to the sea. It is turquoise. The rain is dripping from the fascia board. It must have been royal blue all those years ago, but now it is reverent, having become periwinkle. Blueberry faded just before gray. When the door opened, it was the mountains, 
the backdrop of the trees and the glacial ocean all in panoramic. The old wood porch in the frame of the squinting housewife's door when she opened it. The blind light closed around the dark form. It was a young woman, and she's standing. She must have came in out of the rainburst. Her neck is turned back, looking at the ocean and the mountains. Her hair is slightly wet. She must have been distracted as the door bumped the umbrella bucket. She came back around. Her eyes were caught off guard, and there was the likeness of a child in there. The girl cleared her throat and inquired about the room for let. It was her professionalism, and there was this air of diligence she radiated. It was very endearing. Inviting her into the boarding house, talking a waving hand over the common areas, beginning the small list of regulations partway through, the house ma'am huffed and rolled her eyes, waved the procedures away with her fingers, something exasperated by the nuisance. They both smiled and squinted their eyes at each other, showing her her room. She told her to take her time, and there was fresh towels in the linen closet, at the top of the stairs, the vintage wooden door to the common bathroom. From previous episodes, you know that Seward is a fairly small town. In 1980, Seward had a population of less than 2,000 the ideal size for young Joanna Messina. The 24-year-old woman had trained as a nurse in New York. She set out for the small Alaska town and found a home at a local boarding house. They owned a veterinarian clinic. The cost of running a boarding house adds up. He opened the car door and he tugged the shallow cardboard box his wife must have picked up at the hardware store for him. Frustration signaling through in the close of the car door and the opening of the side entry, especially in the abruptness and the scuffle steps down the short stairs in the blue-black, he turned to the right. Stopping in the glow of the hanging bulb, it was disassembled and naked. The chalky primer, waiting for those long, slick, wet brush strokes. The cardboard flat box kinked in the middle as his lower arm cradling it began to slowly lower. This little soapbox, tiny cardboard printed detergent for the drifters, must have fallen from the top between the washer and the dryer, three quarters of the way back. And she's trying to stretch herself just a bit more. Every time her fingertips almost grazed it, she was standing on one leg, the other lifting out as a counterbalance, arching her back, her hips would rotate upward. But she's turned to the side because her ribs are sliding in between the white shiny metal and every time she bounces. When he came back around his eyes were caught off guard from within his ribcage there was the likeness of recklessness and abandon. The clacking of the zipper over and over the pant legs crumbled and tumbling in the steel drum of the dryer. When she came up without the box needing a stick, there was a box of painting supplies on the floor at the bottom of the stairs. Headlights had pulled in, sweeping across the bushes, the leaves sending camouflage spotlight over part of him through the hedges. But they got back in and left pretty quickly. A dark ripple moved in the black glass. 
just behind the warped reflection of the laundry room casting brightly across the screen of the window. She huffed out this little compressed moan as the hard ruler paintster stick in her outstretched hand, the end of it started sweeping the cute little box into reach. The angle getting better and more efficient as it got close to the last flick of her wrist sent it sliding out from between the appliances. A slow spinning stop in the middle of the room by the floor drain. A quote from the book Mindhunter by John Douglas says, Put yourself in the position of the hunter. He will lock on to a single one out of thousands. He's trained himself to sense weakness, vulnerability, something different in that one that makes them the most likely victim. Joanna had told many people that she desired a job at the cannery, romanticizing the warehouse converted into a fish processing plant next to the docks. She spent most of her time reading and roaming with her dog. Killing time around Seward would be noticed by most locals and anyone else observant. Often predators keep track of the times and locations of their potential victims, some taking full advantage of transients. The swinging door at the clinic has a bell up at the top corner that hits the thing. The bell rattled open in a way that means 911 in dog ears. As the dog came into the receiving area, he was part cradled on arms heavy like cordwood, a larger breed, long hair. Aged a year and a half, had a deep tear in the adipose tissues, in the pad of the foot, the kind of injury consistent with going up a steep muddy embankment and losing grip, kicking back suddenly across some piece of an old bottle or the corner of a rusty truck frame. Adipose tissue has in recent years been recognized by the veterinarian avant-garde as being a major endocrine organ. All of the amazing implications of what that means and the tear, they never crossed his mind. It was Joanne and she was trying to be brave and she was exhausted from carrying her baby. She wept. A few tears were hot on the lapel of his button-up shirt. She'd carried him through a light drizzle the whole way. As he focused his eyes, trying to remember what in the hell did they teach them in year one of veterinarian school. The fabric is wet and transparent. She gently pounded her little fist into her own palm that she knew better. And she should have listened to her instinct. He feels drunk on a dreamland. But now he has taken command of the situation. And he's getting her baby boy all cleaned up. And gave her a small bottle of the cream to apply two to four times a day. We need to stay on top of those fresh stitches, he told her. Really coming into his stride now. She made him remember why he went into veterinarian school. He wasn't afraid to say it to himself now that he has passion for her. It is hot at his temples, dumping from the fatty tissues of his endocrine system. It clouds over his ears and threatens to blot out his eyes entirely, numb and drunk drowning in hormones. In the downstairs, he'd been painting the ceiling when she came down to put a load in the laundry. And they both blushed as 
She slid by and it was to move the wash into the dryer this time. His heart pounded in his ears. The time he was about to head downstairs, the first step down the board creaked. It was written on a greasy board to-do list she'd made for him, shower nozzle, toilet paper holder. He stopped at the psst, hey, and looked back over his shoulder half on one step, half on the other. And it was an inch and a half of Joanne peeking from the old vintage door to common bathroom. It ends up the lady that answered the door wasn't his wife. She was just the property manager. It takes a keen eye to know the difference of cigar smoke in the carpet deposit and who was on routine by the creak of their departure down the old wood stairs and out into that beautiful scene of the mountains clashed together and frozen in time. The changing stone in their faces to see his glittered with it now. In the laundry room he was painting the lid with a mini roller. It is submerged in a half can of paint to keep it from drying. His leg is outstretched the other kind of in a James Dean pose. Part in the shadows he loses his footing, the bucket he was on at the step stool. The rusty corner of the metal his hand grasped the jagged edge recklessly. Coming round his ear and his cheekbone, his eyes were bulging out, staring into the dark. The sun is ever driving the day before itself, passing over each terrain all the way up here to Seward, Alaska. But when you become tagged to the earth and you must stay behind as it passes over, it almost seems he's being sucked into it. This glowing ball of light and midday picnics, the sun pulled into it now completely. The ball of light trudging away cradled him in the womb, loving upon the walls, knowing they must love you back. Over the horizon of mountains, wrecked like castles, there are golden tones. Deep, singular across massive stone edges and speckled upon a few cloud tips and across a glint of some fog cloud. But now, in the blue-black again, outside the window an ink silhouette has moved back into position. Immediately is it the dog's collar ticking and the kick scratch? From the glow of the naked bulb inside the barely rocking silhouette is glanced out here in glow light. Looking down from the wall-top window, the room reflecting back now across the blue-black glass of the laundry room basement. Distorted in the glazing, the James Dean pose half in the utility room to paint can. He loses his footing or something in the bucket he was on, or the step stool he was on. Went like he was falling off suddenly, and he barely caught his balance, the rusty corner of the metal. His hand grasped the jagged edge recklessly. Coming round his ear and his cheekbone, his eyes were bulging out, staring into the dark. As her hair rocked back and forth like the harness and the horse, her strides leading his breath, a talent. And she went straight to the top of the list. The lower outsides of his eyes seemed to puff down and sag as they were slowly becoming poached egg right before you. 
It was exhilarating, but the obsession is the list. He called them summer projects later in the interviews on tape. During the avalanche, it's so serene, but when you step out of it, the damage control. That's why I'd never step out on my own lady. But all the way down to number one, even. The girl who likes to go down to her family bayliner, laying about for hours and reading her poetry, those cushions make a V-shaped bed down in there, for Christ's sake. The second she lights a doobie in that cab, he would always say next. But now his eyes are flat and deep, his mouth is loose like a fish and there's nothing else now. Enough to bring a chill. He might have interpreted later that those rare moments there was no list. She was the list. In the bird world, they do these dances before striking a dramatic pose in the plumage and the colored feathers. The water hose to wash his car, it had a special valve in the warmth of the house. He had to turn it on back by the water heater. The line must be dry in the winter. The dust on the top of the water heater had been undisturbed for years. And there are finger marks, four flat and smeared back in the lint. The metal below was wiped nearly clean. She broke away from his lips, this maiden looking into his eyes. She gave him a wild and daring look. Her arm already outstretched, she brought him stuck, pressed low under her bare thigh. And brought him up, parting on each side, a slow kiss. Passing over briefly, the resistance fell inward. He looked up at her in awe. She closed him and turned her head to the side, lowering just a touch. All she had to do was not push. It must have been very early in July when the rent ledger at full lodging, growing continually up to the big holiday derby, it showed a discrepancy that either everyone had skipped a month or two of rent or one room had basically never paid. One thing leads to another and Joanna is staying at a nice lady's house who took her in. She had a television set in her family room and she wanted Joanna to sit and watch the flashing box with her. By the time he heard she'd gotten kicked out by the doctor, she'd run her course with the older gal and her TV programming. His endocrine system must have been pouring out when he heard that the lady had felt bad and set her up with a tent and some camping gear. And she was out there now down under the big bent back tree on the edge of the state park campground. To Megan's mother up in Delta Junction and poor Michael who got the call about Mary over the holiday. The picture of Seward near the 4th of July must be something never spoke of. The ideal backdrop looks like a brochure, but for them it is the last moments of the chance to see them, with their eyes still alight in life. But they are in terror, though, 
and the hours are shattered by the deafening screams of her child they must be. So early in July, 1980, the television set would have been pulsing the lights of the screen when she would have turned down the Jeffersons. Mr. Jefferson walking with his arms back and his chest out, and she's asserting herself like he was. She'd held herself off for as long as she could all day, it was her mantra. If you still haven't heard from her by nine o'clock tonight, then call the troopers. And when she got off the phone with them, the plastic phone settling into the cradle, the lights in the other room are flashing upon the walls from the screen. The world must have felt empty and eerie to her. And the call didn't even make it until the first commercial break. And as it began, she was staring up into the floorboards. In 1980, the city of Seward had their third missing woman on Fourth of July weekend. Joanna's victim risk factor was extremely high. She went from a trained nurse in New York to being kicked out of a boarding house and a friend's house, living in a tent unemployed. Even Hansen himself said in an interview that she was desperate. She was the perfect victim for him to lord over and play God with. Over and over he would tell women no one would believe them. He was upstanding and prominent. Many of those girls were too young to know what he was talking about, or sex workers who knew the truth of it. Joanna's degradation would be different. So the troopers went out and made an inquiry with the old gal who runs the boarding house. She knew immediately who they were talking about, the girl with the German shepherd. She waved her hand over to her well-kept living room. It was meticulous and over her threshold like it was of no consequence to them. She invited them in from the door closing. The thing is, she says, is that the veterinarian doctor kicked her out. In the property manager world, they shoot in the eight ball in the opening. The rest of the game, you already knew who'd won. A person passing near her when they were on the porch, he almost bit someone. And she had also estranged nearly all of her fellow renters, it says in the report. It went so far as to say it was through her own behavior and then also that of the dog. The interview was going great, and the old gal signaling to their ears somehow that, uh, there's this board at the top of the stairs, and without fail it squeaks. Towards the back of her apartment, this really cool angled ceiling, centered above her mattresses, the bottom of those stairs. They told her it was the fire code, that she had to drywall them off. She hired someone else that didn't. And there was a sense of surety in her voice. And who would know better? When she laid it on them that the doctor and the 24-year-old younger girl were, uh, she whirls her fingers through the air and she hangs her jaw cracked open. You can see her tongue in there, pressing firm to the side of her jaw. She wobbles her head. You know. We have focused on these 10 women to first and foremost tell their story. Since we often hear about the butcher baker, 
Cindy Paulson, but it's usually 17 to 34 more victims. Those more are women that we have come to know, like episode one, Susie. And many of those cases are still unsolved, like Horseshoe Harriet, Aklutna Annie, Megan, Mary, and Beth Van Zanten. Secondly, Robert Hansen is a case study in over 12 years of abductions. Spreading his crimes over jurisdictions in the late 70s and 80s in Alaska hid information. For example, that most of the women had auburn hair, petite, and busty, the majority young, under 24. As you may remember, many people go missing in Alaska every year with a good portion of people just packing up and going back where they came from, which is what the troopers and police often assume, especially with young women. His pattern of taking advantage of the jurisdictions, choosing girls that could be assumed to have gone home, who could be picked up quickly and easily off the street, can only be seen in hindsight. That missing persons report was only two and a half weeks old when the call comes in in the form of some numbers over the radio static. The numbers mean that, that there is a body. Just north of town on the edge of a gravel pit, the troopers are preparing themselves to walk into a crime scene, observing everything over and over. The subtleties in the gravel marks. Was that a foot that slid up the embankment? Looking for any herbs in the grasses that they might have been trampled ever so slightly. There's a local standing in the parking lot, waving them down in the window as they arced in. His face was so close as they pulled in quickly. He looked over the part open window frantically that there is a bear on her as they were pulling in to the stop. There once was a girl wearing almost nothing and she was dragged there in a white sleeping bag and hastily buried. Beneath only inches of gravel, the fabric and the cottony hollow fill and the sleeping bag's white pristine exterior is now speckled with fresh mold cultures. Popping up over a field of putridness. He had dragged her here after he had used her. He grunted, moving her around like that. Across the ground, she's in there. Look of peace. She is so much at ease as how she was yesterday at this time. And during the mind play with him, the taunting, and the taunting them with hope, Being bound as he was snapping the sheet messily out across the bed of the camper like a manic picnic blanket. It had been years now, and the method had been repeated, each misstep deleted in the next one. He hadn't even touched her yet, really. But she looked gutted. The creaking of the truck bed as he was jostling his pants, there was a spruce hen that was cooing in the tree up over the truck somewhere. And as he was growling in her hair awkward words, he chose ways to describe parts of her own body to her. The hen fluttered down just next to the truck, her throat was clucking. 
Losing grip off the pulled sheet and his foot slid, hitting the knee on the metal wheel well of the truck bed. And the bird fluttered away in a burst and landed not too far away. The breeze blew by and there was a gentle breeze for an hour or two. The sun technically set at 10.21 that night. Watching exhausted the darkness filling the camper. So when he pulls the 223 up and she can see it pointing at her. And after that, it's lights out. The white bag bulging over days and bursting inside. The fabric becoming leached brown in water and orange slime. She was pressed and held in shape, getting softer and creamier. And the rocks and the gravel being scraped away as jagged claws. Periodically stopping and a big nose coming down, sniffing into the ground and continues. Until the claw catches and releases something, the bear's nose coming down over the crevices below the stones. His blind nose is almost touching the fabric. And he sniffs in. So when they sat the good doctor down and asked him a few questions, in the course of the inquiry they casually threw one in from the side asking, when did the sexual relationship with Joanne begin? It must have been like smoke in her eyes. The detectives had to try not to squint as he acted flattered, but no. His hands making each point that he did not have a sexual relationship with some girl. Who blows in the town from New York. She left a husband back there. The temple of the hand, it rolled like scrolling paper. But his voice didn't say anything when it crossed his mind that the husband was a doctor also. She hitchhiked all the way, he said. The dog allowed her that, to be able to walk around in a world full of men. Yes, that he'd helped her dog. And she was renting from them. I fixed her dog's foot, he said, and I didn't charge her. She used to be a nurse. She came into town, not a penny to her name. The dog was seriously lacerated. And he could only imagine just a fragment of what he had just told him would be enough to send the looky-loos and the eavesdroppers into a silent frenzy. So twice then they sat him down. This guy was adamant. Swearing on a stack of Bibles, the guy says, come on. And that he didn't do anything with Joanne. And they analyzed him. And they did the investigation into this guy for weeks. A guy who thinks it's a good idea to introduce lying to the homicide detective. The people closest to the victim are thoroughly investigated. When troopers identified Joanna, the vet was questioned, with his behavior indicating deception. After a few weeks, the man confessed to having an affair with a young woman, but he did not kill her. Four years later, Hansen would recount the bear lady to investigators, describing her dog and her background in nursing. Then, he would spin a tale where, disgusted and in self-defense, he shoots Joanna and her dog with the pistol. But Joanna's body tells us a different story. 
leaving unanswered questions like, how does a fully clothed Joanna end up naked in a sleeping bag left in a gravel pit? Why does ballistics show a rifle killed her and not a pistol? When did he shoot her dog? She also leaves noticeable differences. Her body was found easily, unlike the majority of the women, and she was naked while some of them were redressed. Joanna shows us a killer who saw the victim of opportunity, too good to pass up. She looked like his type, petite, brown hair. It was 4th of July weekend, and she was desperate, both monetarily and psychologically. Joanna's body was meant to be found. Joanna Messina is the 10th woman hunted we have covered, the third to go missing, 4th of July weekend in Seward. Years later, the detectives were sitting at the table with little Bobby, him in chains. He looked down through the table as they were spreading out his map he'd kept hidden with all the little X marks, penciled in with no notes. They couldn't believe their eyes when they pulled it out into the air, they were astounded. As it came out, tucked behind the headboard, it was right above his and his wife's head as they slept. And when he was on top of her, his bulging eyes were inches from him. He's giving it to his wife, but his eyes are locked on the map through the hardboard. Thank you for listening to True Crime 49. You can find us online and on most social media platforms at TC49 Podcast. Support the show by sharing the podcast and rating. You can also visit our Patreon for bonus podcasts like Inches and Mercury, which includes a Robert Hansen episode, and visit our website for merchandise. If you haven't listened to previous Season 3 episodes, although it is not necessary, it paints a broader picture. We mentioned a Clutna Annie and Horseshoe Harriet, Episode 5, and Megan and Mary, Episode 3. True Crime 49 is an Alaskan true crime podcast, the original Gothic Veritas.